Welcome to Wisdom Explored, Conversations with Rabbi Corinne. I'm Janet Spiegel, Rabbi Corinne's daughter. And I'm Rabbi Corinne Kopnick, Janet Spiegel's mother. Hello, Mom. Hi, daughter. Today uh, in uh, 2024, we're at the beginning of 2024, and we're going to continue focusing on the things that make people feel better about life. Uh, the latest book that you've written called Miracles Are What You Make of Them, which is your sixth book uh, and is available on Amazon, by the way, is really focused on hope. The whole themes in there are hope. And I know that part of what makes this book so special is that you've included not just only learning, you've also included some beautiful stories that illustrate your different themes of hope and some poetry some of it from throughout your life, some of it that's been written recently. And I know that today you wanted to share one of the poems that's very near and dear to your heart in your book. And I was just wondering if you want to tell us a little bit about it and then maybe read it for our audience. And uh, I wrote it several decades ago. It's not a new poem, but it's a poem that remains with me every day of my life, really. And I hope it will be meaningful to you. And as I wrote it, I was thinking about this beautiful world and how once again, it's being destroyed in many places. The lives of people who live in those places are being destroyed too. And as a creative person, it's something that, you know, emanated from me, from my spirit, from my soul. And it's an outpouring and offering to other people to enjoy with me. And I thought how God, the creator, the creator of everything there is, must, if he were a person, would be feeling at this moment. Of course, God is not a person. We're not even supposed to personify God, but my poem does. And as God looks at the devastation we human beings are seeing created around us, and some of us are part of creating, in this world today, I thought that if God were a person who created this world, this universe, maybe God would be feeling this way. Who can dry the tears of God? Is it the earth forever quivering with remorse or space itself curving to cradle such pain? Who can share the fears of God? Is it man and wife, grown old in friendship, enfolding family before and after their ending? Who can light the face of God? Is it an artist's fiery spirit, steeping red blossomed in a rose petal's clear white water? Who can feel the touch of God? Is it our sleeping child caressing once more the wounded world with wakened wonder? Who can know the mind of God? Ah. Wow, that's such a powerful poem. Yeah, it was written in great angst and it ends with hope and with faith. And I hope that those of you who are listening today will hold it close to you as well. I mean, I think a lot of people, the thing, the, there, first of all, there's many things that are very powerful 
about your poem. One is you can see that every single word that you chose was chosen with great deliberation. There's yeah. every word has power and depth. I'm curious if you remember when you wrote that poem or when it first was published. It was first published in my book, Altarpieces, which appeared as a video on television for quite a few years. But I think it was written much earlier than that. Okay. And I included it in Altarpieces, which was about using ritual as a means of binding you to God. Right. So I think that's why it, okay. would, it appeared in, in that book. Okay. It's a, a such a powerful, stunning yeah. poem. And I was just wondering, I realized at the time that it was written, there were other wars and things that were going on. Yes. But I was wondering why you wanted to read it today. If we could put ourselves in a godly state of mind, mm -hmm. you know, which is probably impossible. But if we could try to do that, just imagine how God the creator would feel about what's going on in the world today with people killing other people and, and, and destroying towns and cities and each other and torturing people and keeping them in captivity and, and the whole world trying not to get further involved in a bigger war. Mm -hmm. But that is problematic. But yet I it's was, a speck of time. It's just like, it's just, a, yes. I mean, humanity yes. has had a tendency over and over and over, over again to and repeat over and the over same, yes. the same accumulations of power, yes. fighting and going for territory, but yet the humanity has prevailed. Humanity has prevailed because we have the sleeping child mm -hmm. that will caress the world again mm -hmm. with waking one. So it's putting hope in the future it's putting always. hope in the future that, that, in, that in the spirit of humanity yes. there resides always that little bit of light that spark of god yes. that's going to bring hopefulness to the world that yet again no matter what's going on that that we always can hope again we can always seek the light we can always rebuild things are things but mm -hmm. it's the spirit of people Mm -hmm. that must survive. So I think this is such a great poem to talk about today for a number of reasons. One is the powerfulness of the words, but the other is the way in which you've used poetry in your book, Miracles or What You Make of Them, to create meditative pauses yes. between the different concepts of hope or the different approaches to hope that you illustrate in the book. And it gives you, I mean, not everybody, not everybody is a poet, and not everybody likes poetry. And not everybody yeah. likes poetry, but I think the po the poems that you've chosen really do exactly what you intended them to do. Give us a stop, give us a pause, give us a time to read, think, imagine, absorb. And they kind of compress our feelings, you know, to a point where it almost hurts, but then it expands it and opens our minds, our vision, and opens up new possibilities. Okay. But I think there was something, there was something else that you had said that you wanted to share today. I don't know if it was part of another poem. Yes, there's another poem that is kind of related to this one, but I wrote it in a, a different time frame. Mm -hmm. I wrote it when I was in Banff at the Artist Colony. Banff, Alberta, which Banff, is in Canada. Banff, Alberta, in Canada is one of the most beautiful places you could ever imagine being. And you feel so close 
And um, and you've been to a few. You, you've worked at a few writers' colonies. You've yes. invested yourself over artistically the over uh -huh. the years in different writers' colonies. But this one was particularly a powerful colony for you. Yes. Well, I was invited as a guest artist to be uh, at the Leighton Artist Colony, which was part of the, the very famous Banff Center for the Arts. Mm -hmm. The purpose there was to make us feel valued as artists. It was such a beautiful concept. You know, it's so hard to be an artist and to make a living. The moment we arrived, I mean, you were selected, you know, and it was a great honor to be there. But once you were there, you were given what I call a credit card, like a smart card. And at that time, they were just beginning to use smart cards, say, for to open a hotel room door yeah, or to be able to use them for multi-purposes. So they gave us these cards with our name on it, artist, and we just presented it and we had dinner. If we needed, <laughs> if you were a musician and you needed paper, you could write your, you know, that was scored, that you could write your music on. You just presented it and you got what you needed. I had my own studio and I just unlocked the door with my <laughs> card. Uh -huh. I whoever heard of such a thing yeah. at that time. Yeah. You were felt so valued. And you didn't have to produce anything, but the time and place was given for you to produce in solitude in the woods. But you were expected to meet uh in the general um a dining room to mingle with the community at large for at least one meal a day. But most of the artists produced a lot. Yes, there. they did. Well, it um, turned you know, out to be very, a, a very, it was very productive. And I don't know if they still do that program because you know it was expensive. And I think there were about three hundred people there, like not in that program, but like uh, just some other know, residents that, doing other things. Yeah, who came to take courses, who mm -hmm. came to learn about their their aspect of the art they were um they were allowed to uh, arrange for visits to our uh, little houses each of our houses that we had was designed by a famous architect in canada beautiful little houses uh, it was just uh, one of the most wonderful experiences of my life and that's where this next poem came out of yes because just imagine that here you are in the environment I've just described, gorgeous mountains all around you. It was summertime. The winter, it's a different kind of awesome landscape. Um, the summer of 1989. I called this poem Hailstorm, and I think it's a good corollary to the poem that I just read, which was written at an earlier time. And this one goes like this. Today's bold headlines honed in humanity's most primal image permeate this peaceful retreat, stratify the morning mist with conflict's ominous shadow, blaspheme this sacred rock. Here, amidst primeval peaks, a poet's prescient sorrow waters the pure thin air, and frozen, trembling, shudders the perceptive earth in persistent icy warning. Here, shades of ancient strife hover over full-grown children of freedom, sharing transitory pleasures while war portends. Unaware, destruction beckons a new generation, once again dreamy-eyed and multi-hued to become its bride and groom. And that's exactly how I feel today. I, that's so, so resonant for, It's so resonant for today. Yeah. And it's very interesting, you know, we're 
we're here. Uh, for those of you that don't know, we're in Los Angeles in the United States of America. Also beautiful. Oh, yeah, also beautiful, but very far away physically, my thousands of miles away from where there's currently war going on. Yes. A very difficult, challenging war that's going to last for a long time. As I was at the time I wrote that poem, yeah. Different Circumstances. Different Circumstances, also far away. And we're very comfortable in our Western environments. We see the news from afar. Yes. Inundated with it to a certain extent via social media, which is unfortunately can be very slanted one way or the other. Yet we see the news that's going on. But at the same time, we continue in our very comfortable existence. It's very, it's very powerful well, to see that your reflection, it does from so many years ago to today. And it's almost like a mirror image of what we're seeing today. Yeah. Well, well so just why, like there are wars and eventually they end with different consequences, very much the same, but mm -hmm. different consequences in different places. And, and, so, and, we, why, and every time we rebuild and start with new hopes and you so like the bride and groom so it's kind of like the yeah. start of something fresh and new yes which would make which is which would be why you included it as a poem that kind of gives the promise of hope more than the actual hope a lot of it has to do with the promise, the promise of, hope. of hope meanwhile the reality is that i certainly hope that my grandchildren mm -hmm. are not caught up yeah in this the ensuing yeah. conflict yeah Okay, well, that's pretty much all the time that we have for today. Okay. Um, for those for me, of, it was very meaningful, this particular episode. And I, I, and I hope it was, too. Well, you know, listeners. I think for anybody that likes poetry, it's, unfortunately, it can get overlooked in the book because the book yeah. has so much education in it. And Miracles Are What You Make of Them has these magnificent stories that illustrate all the themes of hope that you present from a religious and educational lens. And then the poems are there as punctuation. Yes. For the those punctuation marks. For those who enjoy those moments of reflection, they're exactly. just wonderful marking points in the book. Right. So, and I thought people who like ideas can read the chapters yeah. that talk about ideas and people who really get bored with ideas can read my stories, which talk about those ideas in another way. Yeah. Right. And then people who say, oh, my God, there's so much here. I need to take a pause. Read the poems. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thank you very much, everybody. This was uh, we're welcoming you all to 2024. Welcome, everyone to a new year that I hope will be replete with your dreams and not just hopes, but concrete realization of at least some of those dreams for you, your family, your children, your children to be. And God bless you. As the Christmas story says, God bless you, everyone. Bye for now. Mm -hmm.